None of you have to stay here anymore. You're free. The man that I met is leaving the island forever. Those of you who want to go with him should leave the temple and join him. You have until sundown to decide. What happens at sundown if we stay? You die. everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be looking at episode 606 entitled Sundown. This is the 109th episode of the series and there are 12 to go. First though, the obligatory feedback reminder. You can always leave a message on the listener line by calling 732-707-1815. You can call 24 hours a day and those Google robots will take your call. You can leave a comment on the webpage, looking back at lost.podbean.com. You can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. And lastly, you can say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. And indeed, I wanted to mention, I got a nice little message from friends of the podcast, John Bowman, who said that he enjoyed using the uh, mobile app that is available uh, for the podcast on his drive uh, back from Philadelphia uh, all the way to uh, to Wisconsin. And uh, John's certainly glad that he had a safe trip. And this seems like a perfect opportunity to remind everybody, at least uh, the iPhone users in the bunch, that uh, you too can get the Looking Back at Lost uh, mobile app by heading over to lookingbackatlost.podbean.com slash mobile. And uh, it'll then uh, prompt you if you want to save that link to your uh, your uh, screen of apps. And uh, I'm looking at the copy right now that's on my phone. It's uh, this handsome little uh, miniaturized Looking Back at Lost uh, logo right there on your, uh, on your screen of apps. And uh, mine nestled between Redbox and Fruit Ninja. So uh, if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to avoid, uh, you know, avoid the uh, direct podcast download route and kind of stream it from there, you certainly can do it. Anyhow, let's now get into the Wikipedia summary for this episode, 606 Sundown. In the 2004 Flash Sideways timeline... The episode takes place following the events of the season premiere LAX, in which Saeed arrives at the home of his brother Omer and Omer's wife Nadia. Late one night, Omer tells Saeed that he recently borrowed a substantial amount of money from a loan shark but had paid it back. Nevertheless, the loan shark has told Omer that he will owe interest forever. Omer asks Saeed to help with this problem. Saeed refuses because he no longer wishes to be a violent person. The next day, Omer is severely beaten, and Nadia begs Saeed not to get involved. Nadia and Saeed discuss their feelings for each other, leading Saeed to tell Nadia that he doesn't deserve her. Later on, Saeed is taken to see the loan shark, Martin Kimi. After a short conversation, Saeed kills him and his men, including Kimi's henchman Omar. 
While leaving the scene, he stumbles across Jin, who is tied up in a freezer. In the 2007 original timeline, following the events of the previous episode Lighthouse, Saeed confronts Dogen about the poison pill. Dogen claims that Saeed is evil. They get into a struggle, but Dogen refuses to kill him, instead banishing Saeed from the temple. At the same time, the man in black sends Claire into the temple to ask Dogen to come out. He refuses to leave the temple and imprisons Claire. He then gives Saeed a dagger and instructs him to kill the man in black in order to prove that he is still a good person. Saeed does as instructed, but the dagger has no effect. The man in black explains that Dogen never expected Saeed to succeed, only to get killed himself in the attempt. He then says that if Saeed cooperates, he can have anything he wants, including a dead loved one. Saeed is sent back to the temple with a message for the others. Saeed delivers the Man in Black's ultimatum to the others. Any who do not leave the temple before sundown will be killed. This causes a panic among the others, most of whom, including Cindy, decide to leave. Amidst the chaos, Kate returns to the temple in her search for Claire. She confronts Lennon, who takes Kate to Claire. Kate explains that she has been raising Claire's son, Aaron, for the past three years, but is unable to continue speaking with her. Meanwhile, Saeed confronts Dogen, who reveals how he came to the island. Several years ago, he was a businessman in Japan who became drunk one night and caused a car accident that killed his 12-year-old son. Jacob visited them in the hospital and offered to heal Dogen's son in exchange for Dogen coming to the island and never returning. After Dogen finishes his story, Saeed tackles him in the spring and drowns him. Afterward, he kills Lenin by slitting his throat. Dogen's death allows the man in black to enter the temple and attack the others as the smoke monster. Also, we see Ilana, Sun, Frank, and Ben arrive at the temple shortly after the attack begins, searching for the other candidates. While there, Sun finds out that Jin is alive. Ben goes looking for Saeed, but flees when he sees that Saeed has killed Dogen and Lennon. Kate is separated from the group and goes after Claire. Ilana's son, Frank, and Miles flee through a secret passage. After the attack, which leaves almost everyone dead, Saeed, Claire, and Kate join the others with the man in black outside the temple. And with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. An episode that I will say is nothing short of uh, an, un- an underestimated gem. I truly did not have this on my radar as... as um, an episode that I particularly remembered um, as its own episode. I, of course, remembered the temple attack, the 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 Saeed flashback. I remembered the parts. Um, perhaps it's just, you know, a faulty memory, things going on in real life in 2010, etc. But this really, really is a top-notch episode. Um, and it's just, it, you know, it, it moves so quickly, particularly in the second half. And it just is so much... Uh, action to it, uh, explanations, wonderful little moments, and uh, I'm looking forward to to jumping into it with you. It starts with a curious recap where Saeed is shot, but becomes quickly uh, season six-ish with Saeed coming back to life. We see his torture and learn again of the darkness growing in him. The episode proper opens uh, with an L.A. taxi because, hey, we're in L.A., Saeed exits, clearly nervous, and clearly we, the audience, are supposed to be thinking of Nadia. He carried her picture, of course, and 
there's this, uh, I think, instinctive first-time viewer reaction that theirs was a love that would last, uh, you know, from this life to the next. Um, and indeed, they're playing off of that in this smartly played open where they're not too lovey-dovey, but the show also doesn't oversell the love. Uh, this is, of course, because after Saeed's heartfelt kiss to Nadia's cheek, he then sees her kids, who ID him as Uncle Saeed, and then that's when the other man shows up and declares Nadia his wife. It not only is the sinking feeling of, yes, another difference between the uh, Flash Sideways timeline and the, the Prime timeline, if you will, um, but also it's just it's a nicely constructed scene where it's like genuine emotion on Saeed's part. He, he gets the close-up, Nadia, her back to the camera when he hugs her and kisses her cheek. And there's just genuine emotion, genuinely glad to see her, genuine love of some sort. Then that's slow spilling out. Hey, there's kids. That's kind of strange. Hey, it's Uncle Saeed. And then, boom, the other man showing up. Um, also note, both in this scene and in the next one at the dinner table, uh, Nadia's bosoms overfloweth from her top. Certainly a, a wise and appreciated costuming moment. Anyhow, uh, her husband, who for some reason in my notes I called Robert, perhaps the uh, you know, poor anglization uh, of Omer, so we'll stick with Omer, of course. Uh, but the hubby Omer steps away from the table he has a few plaintive moments, or pardon me, he does not. Rather, there are, are at the table between Said and Nadia a few plaintive moments of the maybe still in love couple, which of course gets interrupted by the kids, isn't that always the case, uh, who are so happy to have their boomerangs from Sydney. And hey, gee whiz, they also found Uncle Said's picture of Nadia in his bag. This is an oopsie moment seemingly punctuated by Robert watching them from afar. Um, although I think in retrospect, it's more, I mean, why does that happen? Uh, why was it constructed that way? I think it's a bit of a red herring. Um, does it also fit into the fact that Omer is uh, you know, a bit sinister for being a dry cleaning man? As we'll learn, he's you know in, in bed with this loan shark. Uh, there's that too, but it's not, uh, it's a bit of a red herring. It's, oh no, there's a love triangle when in fact Omer doesn't seem to be suggesting that. Um, although we really don't know because we don't see him again for the rest of the episode because he accidentally gets beaten up, but we'll get to that soon enough. The flash sideways conclude and Saeed is on the hunt and tracks down Dogen, the former demanding answers over his torture, the latter telling him that it was a fancy test discern his goodness and badness. Uh, and what was the result of the test? Badness. And just as Saeed is about to manly man his way into proving how good he is, kind of all, you know, puffed up chest, Dogen throws a few martial arts moves, then a few more, then a few more, uh, all which is superior to Saeed's brawling fight style. Now I just had to wonder for a moment, the notion of this wise bearded, long-haired Asian man knowing martial arts. Is it a bit cliched? Is it a bit racially familiar? You know, oh, of course he is. He's a Japanese. He do karate chops. Is there a little bit of that in there? 
I think so. I mean, particularly we'll learn in, uh, you know, later in the episode in Dogen's exquisite flashback story, which gets to be presented to us as Dogen telling a story. Um, you know, he was a businessman. And so, sure, are there businessmen who know karate? No doubt. But, you know, it's it just has a slight little ring around the collar of racial stereotyping. But to be fair, it is a blistering fight, though. It's definitely above, you know, above average. There's crashing bookcases. There's smashing chairs. Uh, and the whole fight, however, seems to stop uh, because, oddly, Dogen's baseball falls off his desk. Maybe it's the wormhole aliens talking to him. Of course, I know a couple listeners get that reference, right? Anyhow, Dogen tells Saeed to hit the road at that point and not come back. And then Dogen collects his baseball. Of course, learn later. I think it's just meant to be a reminder to Dogen about the importance of uh, keeping his civility, keeping his composure, keeping his self-discipline. Anyhow, the story at this point shifts, perhaps a tad clunkily, just out of the blue, to Claire and Smokey Locke. I say a tad clunkily. I don't want to fully commit to it just because while there's not a natural transition, this still is the teaser act. So there is a bit of that, um, you know, what are we in store for tonight? At the temple, we have Saeed and Dogen brawling. Elsewhere, Claire and Smokey, you know, are, are contemplating their next step. So fits into the structure of the act, if not the flow of the story. Anyhow, uh, Claire is about to enter, quote, there, Close quote, an unseen place. Uh, they're building up a bit of a reveal in a moment. Smokey affirms that he can't go in there, not yet anyway. The act closes with Clara half asking if he'll hurt the inhabitants of what the wide shot shows to be the temple. Then the last bit that we get before the, the act break is that Smokey says he'll only hurt the ones that don't listen. Sinister indeed. With that, we get the title card, then sideways, Sleepy Saeed, if you like your alliteration. Uh, and by the way, he's exquisitely lit by oodles more light coming through the window than you would get from the moon, or five moons, even, at 2.30 in the morning, which of course is the time that we're told it is. Uh, nonetheless, we see Robert tap-tapping Saeed on the shoulder. He, of course, uh, there I go again with Robert, pardon me, Omer. Uh, tapping him on the shoulder. He learns quickly never to wake a sleeping soldier. First, Saeed does one of those arm-twisty mood moves until he realizes what's what. Omer uh, explains things plainly. I mean, hey, it is the first full act. It is exposition time. He explains that he borrowed money for the second store from a bad man and needs help from Saeed, who might still be a vaguely bad man, is the suggestion. Saeed declines, having moved on from his shady roots, he hopes. Speaking of which, Island Saeed is being escorted out of uh, the temple area by two armed extra others, while Saeed uh, is collecting his things and preparing to hit the road. At this point, Miles explains that the others didn't bring him back to life, and we're reminded of a little mystery involving exactly how that return worked. Now, Saeed is supposed to be kicked out. However, as the story goes, he actually can't leave right now. See the structure there? They want to keep him there. The writers do. Uh, because Claire appears, arms up, 
to deliver the message that he, Smokey, wants to see Dogen. There's some witty repartees whilst Dogen affirms that he won't leave the safety of the temple, and Claire gets put in, quote, the hole, close quote, and we're reminded by Lennon that Jack and Hurley can't be found. And there's also a bit where Dogen re-recruits Saeed into the Brotherhood of Goodies as things have now changed. Your friends, Shepard and Reyes, do you know where they went? No, I don't. Why is Claire here? And what was she talking about? She's a confused girl under the influence of an angry man. What man? For years, he has been trapped. But now Jacob is gone. He's free. This man will not stop until he has destroyed every living thing on this island. He is evil incarnate. And you want me to speak to him? No. I want you to kill him. He will come to you as someone you know. Someone who has died. As soon as you see him, plunge this deep into his chest. If you allow him to speak, it is already too late. I love that in that scene, we start with Dogen needing an expendable person to go talk to Smokey. And then at that point, Saeed gets brought back. Uh, also, there's kind of that uh, wonderful repetition of what we know about Smokey, at least from the point of view of Jacob's folks. Lastly, the obvious in that scene is worth a mention that Saeed, the gray-hearted operative, is being sent by someone from Team Jacob just as the gray-hearted operative in Ben was sent by someone from Team Smokey to do the same to the opposite side. The act concludes with Saeed being challenged to prove his goodness by indeed driving that uh, dagger home. After the act break, uh, we see a really happy, genuinely buoyant Saeed who's uh, taking Nadia's kids off to the bus. It's a sweet, short, small scene. Um, but we get to see the Saeed that we know deep down, despite all the mire of the Republican guard of torture, etc. As the bus pulls away, there's really a nice camera trick. We kind of get the reveal of Nadia um, coming out of the house upset. You know, it's something that we just see as the bus is pulling away. With that, they're off to the hospital with a quick little cameo of Dr. Jack and then some other doctor explaining that Omer was apparently uh, mugged, which uh, Nadia reads as a product of the shady dealings of her husband. She pleads with Saeed to go home and to embrace the good. As he kisses her head, we kind of again get a close-up of him with her back to us. It's clear by looking at his face that he's unsure what to do. Ironically, and I'm sure quite intentionally, the flash sideways ends with Said walking down the lonely jungle road, still unsure about what he's going to do. He meets Kate, who picks up the story by uh, returning to the jungle, where Miles gets a great little conversation with her 
uh, he notes that he would have gone after Sawyer as well, but Sawyer would have berated him until Miles turned back. Miles shares also, not quite so anecdotally, that Claire is also back. Still hot, he says, but crazy. Certainly, this shouldn't be a huge surprise. We've been prepped for this, that you know, Claire thinks Kate took Aaron and, and the, uh, the conflict ahead of us. With that, the story moves to Saeed on that lonely road again, and it's a visually plain scene for perhaps 20 or 30 seconds, and, but it's a scene that's all about sound design. So take a listen here. Saeed. Now why'd you go and do that? how the sound of the birds just kind of drops off in the beginning of the clip silence sinks in the wind of smoky approaches and of course we get to see Saeed uh, finally uh, answering the question will he do the right thing I think in our hearts we knew that he would but by sinking that knife into uh, Smokey doing the right thing what's the consequence little consequence indeed now you might be unsure, uh, as I was, why the knife in Smokey's chest is shown so fleetingly. I wondered if it was network interference, perhaps. Uh, I also wondered as well, why is there no blood on the knife? Was that to the network? Was it, you know, is it just smoke magic? I'm not quite sure. Anyhow, after the act break, immediately after the act break, there's a nice little costume switch. Smokey has gone from uh, before the stabbing wearing a plain beat-up gray t-shirt with a pocket on it to wearing a plain beat-up gray t-shirt with a pocket and a little rip where the knife went in. Small, small detail. Just perfectly, perfectly placed. It really shows that they were on their A-game. And I'd be angry if Saeed stabbed me. However, we get to hear that unangry Smokey at this point, gets to spin his message. You want him back? Take it, I won't bite. What are you? Well, Saeed, you seem to have some idea about that, considering that you stabbed me in the chest without even saying hello. What did they tell you? They said you were evil. Incarnate. I feel sorry for you. Why? Dogen, the man who sent you out here knew that you had no chance of killing me. And he believed that I would kill you if you tried. 
And this wasn't the first time that he tried to get someone else to do it for him, was it? No. Then shame on you for being talked into it so easily. And what is it you are trying to talk me into? Sorry? You haven't killed me. Clearly there's something you want. I just want you to deliver a message. That's all. And why didn't you just have Claire deliver it? Because it would mean a lot more coming from you. Saeed, if you'll do this for me. What if I told you that you could have anything you wanted? What if I said you could have anything in the entire world? I would tell you that the only thing I ever wanted died in my arms. And I'll never see it again. What if you could? Smokey's offer is, of course, I think, so very, very evocative of Satan tempting Christ in the desert, giving him, offering him all the cities of the world and all that, essentially offering the the unattainable, if you will, here, you know, the the, the love of the dead one. Um, I I think that it's clearly the writerly intention to kind of be evocative of of Satan tempting Christ. Yes, we're getting the fair and balanced presentation of this smoky Jacob debate, but we still do keep getting these little reminders of what our heart tells us. Jacob good, smoky bad. And uh, that scene just uh, certainly serves to support that. With that, we flash sideways to Saeed mending a vase while Nadia expositions about how her husband will be fine. Then... Then she gets to the meat and potatoes of their connection as the show uses this opportunity and indeed the whole evocation of Nadia, even from the previous clip, all of it serving to misdirect us ahead of the finale. If you care about me, why did you push me towards your brother? the last 12 years, I've been trying to wash my hands of all the horrible things I've done. I can't be with you. Because I don't deserve you. I don't deserve you, Saeed says. And you know what? Despite the fact that we want the clear-cut, happy Hollywood ending, he's right. He doesn't deserve her. He allowed her to be tortured. He perhaps didn't do enough uh, for her, uh, you know, to to prevent her death, uh, to protect her. And I was just kind of left with this notion that sometimes broken people are meant for broken people. And that indeed is why it's Shannon in the end, and not Nadia. Back to the island, there's a beautiful, beautiful long shot of Dogen looking into the little river while it rains. And it looks like real rain, too, judging by all the splashes on uh, on the length of the river. Just a really lovely scene. Said approaches, and the long shot is kind of 
interrupted by a few close-ups of him walking by. But there's nonetheless this great camera move where the camera swings around from the river to reveal the gang in front of the temple uh, while Saeed is there and he's come to deliver the message. There is a man in the jungle about a mile south of us by the outer wall. He sent me back here to give you a message. He wants you to know that Jacob is dead. And because he's gone, none of you have to stay here any longer. You're free. The man that I met is leaving the island forever. Those of you who want to go with him should leave the temple and join him. You have until sundown to decide. What happens at sundown if we stay? You die. It's a well-delivered speech. It certainly is forcefully delivered, and it absolutely spells out where we're headed in the episode. It's it's you know no no fooling, no kidding around, no supposition what will happen, just how it will happen. With that, the story continues with Kate coming across Lennon, who points her in the direction of Claire, who literally is indeed in some sort of punishment hole thing, and. This is a point where it's an eerie start to the Claire story. It's an eerie start to to the episode, in a sense. And it proceeds uh, with kind of the notion that Kate has to pay the piper. But first, there's uh, this incredibly creepy and evocative uh, start to the scene. Some starless night. Claire? Claire, it's me. Kate? Are you okay? I, I can't believe you're here. Did they capture you too? No. No, they... Why did they put you down here? What happened? They have my son, Kate. They have Aaron. They took him from me. No, no. Claire, they don't have Aaron. I took him. What? I took him off the island. You were gone, and we couldn't find you, so... I raised him. And he is the most beautiful, amazing little boy. But I came back here to rescue you so that you could be with him. So that you guys could be together again. I'm not the one that needs to be rescued, Kate. Time's up. Let's go. No, no, wait. No, wait, wait. You wanted to see her, so let's go. He's coming, Kate. He's coming and they can't stop him. I just love the end of that scene there. It's just so incredibly creepy and and insane. It's literally insane that that you know she's been captured, she's in this awful hole and doesn't have a care in the world because of her faith in someone who we fundamentally accept is is a villain uh in this show and does not have her interests uh, uh at heart. Anyhow, that brings us to the act break. And then there's a palatable uh, pace change 
Saeed is in the courtyard while everyone is all a flutter and getting ready to leave. Lennon tries to remind everyone that it's all okay, while Cindy, who's there, I'm sure, to be the voice, kind of the Greek chorus, if you will, the voice of the crowd, she personalizes the feelings of the crowd by saying that, in short, she's Splitsville. Said here, by the way, is noticeably darker. It's a nice touch in his performance. Um, It's just this, you know, there's this shadow over his over his face, over his acting. And it certainly pays off, as Saeed says, that he has to, quote, return the knife to Dogen. With that, you know, height of uh, of uh, tension. Are we going to see that immediately? Heck no. We go back to the sideways story, where a you know, thuggish-looking SUV pulls up outside Nadia's house. And who steps up but the sinister Omar? That's right, the freighter baddie. To the show's credit here, they underplay it. There's no kind of big, shocking, reveal moment. I mean, he wasn't that important, was he? But he certainly is familiar enough that I'm sure the intention is for some viewers to say, you know, who is he? Where do we know him from? What's What exactly is going on? Um, this is season six. It's not a mystery that they draw out. The grand reveal is that he's uh, still number two and number two to an old friend. Did you have a seat? Hey, you want some eggs? I can uh, make whatever you want, f- uh, fried, scrambled. Uh, you still got that poacher. What's the poacher? You want poached? So I can make some good poached eggs. No. Thank you. I make good eggs. So? All right. but you already know that. Uh, that I do. Yeah. All right. So, Saeed, how's your brother doing? His brother got mugged right out front of his own store. It was just terrible. Well, but at least this way, you know, he's still around to take care of his family. You do want to take care of his family, don't you? Yes. You know, I can see that you're a very direct guy, Saeed, so I'm just going to get to the point. Your brother, he borrowed some money from me, and just like anybody who borrows money or has a loan to pay, he has to make payments. My brother told me he's paid you everything he owes, but that you still want more. Saeed, that's a lie. Your brother does owe me, and somebody is going to pay me that money. Did you put my brother in the hospital? Are you thinking it was me? I didn't do that. Yeah, it's a dangerous world, Saeed, and you know that because you're from Iraq. I think that we all share this great joy of the, the, the return of Kimi. And it's it's punctuated by the great reveal of him, especially because the camera starts behind Saeed and kind of slides to the side. It's almost sort of an in-camera wipe to reveal him. And 
What I like too about the presentation of Kimi is that here he is a bit different. He's kind of the crazy businessman version of the one that we knew. He's not the buttoned up gun for hire. Is he still a baddie? Yes. Is he still doing bad things? Yes. But it's kind of like the, I don't know, it's like the the free market capitalist Kimi uh, as opposed to the just following orders, Kimi. And I realize he was a gun for hire, and you know that's a capitalist uh, influence and all that, but there's there's less military to him here. And it's 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 just it's a lot of fun having him back, although of course um, not for particularly long. Because you're from Iraq. You never know when somebody's just gonna sneak up. <laughs> An ironic statement indeed, as Saeed makes a few fast moves. And Omar and the other thug are dead. Okay. Just relax now. Shut up. Okay, fine. Fine. Okay, it's done. All right? Your brother doesn't owe me anything. The debt's forgiven. All right? Good? Okay. Just relax and forget about it. I can't. You know, this too is, in a sense, also a a vision of the real Saeed. He's somebody who's prepared to act, prepared to put another notch on his soul as he does what needs to be done. Of course, the story doesn't end there, though, as Saeed starts to hear that banging. If somewhere between episodes 603, 604, 605, somewhere in there, we kind of were in the post-premiere lull as things got, got set up. I mean, we're now full on on the roller coaster here. It's just tremendous fun uh this whole scene the people who've who've returned and we've seen some crisscrossing of the storylines before but this one is just such great fun as it just kind of fundamentally fundamentally makes sense that Saeed's baddies and Jin's baddies might be running in the same circles sure they could even be the same guy And this also serves as the first kind of real pull to bring our heroes together. Sure, you know, Locke and Jack spoke in the, um, you know, waiting for the the missing baggage. But, you know, that wasn't them quite getting pulled together. It's just sort of circumstances. Um, But again, this is kind of the first pull to bring them together. And I think, I think it's meant to be a slight reminder that our heroes are making this place too, that they're making this search to meet each other uh, possible. With that, Island Saeed confronts Dogen, quickly dropping the knife. The threat of Saeed killing Dogen, of course, at this point, you kind of laugh it off and say, oh, it was this small and unbelievable moment of tension to just keep the story moving. Um, Dogen finally now has his great 
monologue about his flashback, um, his big moment. He explains that he'd been out drinking, went to pick up his son from baseball. An accident occurred. Dogen survived. His son did not. And who comforted him? We can see this coming from a mile away. Jacob, who rather devilishly offered Dogen's uh, son's life so long as Dogen would come to the island and never see his son again. Sounds very Juliet and her sister, doesn't it? Said notes that it's a hard bargain and that he's been offered another bargain from Smokey, who of course is still being called the man, <laughs> the unnamed man. Um, with all this heart to heart, the the fake out of Said, whether he's going to kill Dogen or not, it's a fake out because he drops the knife. It all becomes very clear. I think it almost was a double fake out. Said throws Dogen into the pool and rather quickly, unceremoniously, chokes him to death. And we kind of see the depths of how we were faked out, that it was that that it was obvious he was going to kill Dogen, so therefore it wasn't going to happen. You know, they were kind of doubly faked out, perhaps. Um, the, the effective nature of it is revealed when Lenin comes in, chastises Said, and gets his throat slashed for his trouble. However, before all that, Lenin does mentioned that uh, now that Saeed, uh, you know, now that uh, uh, Dogen is dead, Saeed has let him in, man in black. Saeed says he knows, and just at that moment, we start to get the sound of the smoke monster approaching. With that, the story moves outside as Miles acts as though something is wrong. Then we start to get ready, the trees start to move, and the attack is quickly underway. Gotta go now. The ensuing chaos is familiar enough on a certain level, although it certainly is exciting. We have smoke tendrils pulling at people, columns falling, things smashing and the like. Kate eventually meets up with Claire, who's content to stay in her hole and wait for her friend. And Kate hides there during this just spectacular shot of Smokey going by overhead while you just kind of hear screams in the air. The story at this point uh, follows Miles, who hides behind a door, which promptly gets battered down by Ilana and, hooray, Frank Lapidus. And feeling kind of rather out of the blue in terms of how the, the episode is cut, Ben just kind of shows up too. Um, and... As quickly as he uh, seems to appear on the scene, he goes out again to go find Saeed, who they clearly must kind of still presume to be uh, candidate Saeed. Of course, Ben does find him by the pool with a bloody knife. Saeed? Come on. I know a way out of here. There's still time. Not for me definitely another bone-chilling creepy moment and it's something that gets uh, supported I think by kind of our, our linchpin of the moment to see Ben step away his face frozen in fear it's a statement that although we don't quite understand Saeed's growing darkness Ben does and clearly is just this awful awful thing the chaos continues with uh, Sun at this point who 
apparently randomly appears just long enough for Miles to tell her that Jin is alive. Then Ilana finds the secret hieroglyph uh, that lets them exit, and she's able to close the door just in time for Smokey to zoom on by, none the wiser. What this last uh, bit of action with Ilana and company, what it might lack kind of in proper pacing. I mean, it's, it's just so quickly they appear out of the blue. There's kind of no warning. There's characters popping in and out. I think that they were probably short for time on this episode. Um, or, or rather, you know, longer, if you were looking at it the other way, you know, had more material than, than would be ideal. Because um, it really is just kind of quick boom, boom, boom with these characters. Not that they require more screen time. It's just it's a weird flow that they have. Um, and just kind of appearing and disappearing, that kind of thing. Anyhow, not all our heroes are with Ilana. Uh, we see, of course, that Kate is not with them. What comes next is visually a slow motion shot of the courtyard after sundown. Though the sound design, the music, it's all indicative of the apple just having been bit in paradise. There's kind of this insane dark peace that's been found by Smokey and his disciples, which, of course, now includes Saeed. He and Claire walk out of the temple, happy and blank. Kate follows, clearly unsure, but horrified uh, as Smokey walks off, surrounded by the former disciples of Jacob, and we conclude with a rare, wordless end to this major, major episode of Lost. It really is just a fantastic episode. I enjoyed so much uh, watching it. There wasn't a dull moment, uh, and it wasn't dull uh, just because it was action, just because it was resolution. It was moving the plot forward. It was certainly action-packed, huge cast appearing in it, and just... Just an episode that embraces the darkness. You know, in so many ways, as I've said so many times before, Saeed is the guy that we would want uh, in a jam. And here we just see that he's tottering between the darkness and the light, between good and evil, and just, you know, gets pulled in again, and our heart breaks for it. It's just such a, such a great episode. Anyhow... Though the episode is over, our time together is not. Let's take a look at uh, some of the, the quite good bits and pieces from uh, Lostpedia, which notes that with this episode, Saeed becomes the third character to have a flashback episode, a flash-forward episode, and a flash-sideways. The others are Kate and Jack. They also mention that Omar is the first character to be killed on screen in the flash-sideways timeline and to also have died in the original timeline. Additionally, Kimi is wearing the Rolex watch Jin was to deliver to Los Angeles. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, also mentioned by Lostpedia is that Miles is the first regular character who time-traveled to re-encounter other regulars from the present, Lapidus, Ben, and Son, who were not uh, on the island when it was moved. Also, Lostpedia says that Miles and Son meet in this episode for the first time in the series. Can you believe it? 
Uh, also, here's a quite good one. Matthew Fox becomes the first cast member to appear in 100 episodes. This doesn't include archive slash reused footage, appearances from Expose, and The Substitute. So, while he appears without speaking any lines, he appears nonetheless in this, the 100th episode of his. Uh, they also mention that this is the first season 6 episode to break the centricity pattern mirroring season 1. You know, Jack and Kate and so forth. Uh, based on the episode's title, Lostpedia says, um, which appears to be cross-referenced to Season 1's House of the Rising Sun, uh, the producers may have intended the audience to anticipate this as a Sun-centric episode, which I, I know I did. Second to last bit here, Saeed's first flashback was in Episode 109, Solitary. In this episode, 606, he receives his first flash sideways exactly 100 episodes later. The last bit of Saeed trivia here. While this is not Saeed's final centric episode, it is the final episode to be solely centric on Saeed. So with that, dear friends, let's look ahead to next week. Next week, 607, Dr. Linus. I think an episode that we kind of felt almost it was was hanging out there, calling us to it, given the way that uh, the substitute ended. We want to see this other life that uh, Ben is living the return of uh, of uh, his daughter in it, more bits and pieces of his his um, stable life that he has in the Flash Sideways. Looking ahead after that, Recon, the Immaculate Abiturno, the package, so much more as we keep marching ever closer. Eight fifteen, conclusion of, uh, of the series of the podcast and the whole the whole kebab. So with that, thank you everybody for listening. This really was a great, uh, great episode to watch. I hope that uh, hope that uh, that was mirrored in the podcast as we uh, start to approach the 50-minute mark. So I hope that's all all good news. So with that, thank you everybody for listening. As always, it's so great to know that you're all out there. Do feel free to say hello on Twitter, email, etc. And I will talk to you all again next week for 607. Dr. Linus. Take care, one and all, and bye-bye. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. Save it for a rainy day. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket.